Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit fightradio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Julie Wald, and we'll be talking about her new book, Inner Wealth, How Wellness Heals, Nurtures, and Optimizes Ultra-Successful People. With Inner Wealth, Julie Wald is giving you a framework for integrating the most impactful wellness practices into your life in a way that feels natural and doable for your busy schedule. Built around the four pillars of wellness, movement, stillness, touch, and nourishment, this book will inspire and enable you to create a self-care plan that meets your needs. This is not a formula or a prescription, it's a recipe, and you can decide how much of each ingredient you want to add to live a happy, healthy life that is reflective of who you are. Julie is founder and CEO of Namaste Wellness. She's a therapist, coach, and teacher, and she has been a wellness practitioner for more than 25 years. She holds a master's degree in social work from New York University and began her career in 1995 as a clinical social worker treating adult children and adolescents in mental health and healthcare settings. In the process of building her impressive mental health practice, Julie also pursued her personal wellness objectives and in doing so became a certified yoga instructor, meditation teacher, Thai body worker, and Reiki master. For more information, you can visit juliewaldwellness.com or also visit Hey, it's golden.com. And with that, I'd like to welcome Julie to the show. Good day, Julie. Yes, hi. Hi. How are you? This is Ashley Kelly. How are you? Oh, okay, great. Sorry, Kelly. Um, great. Thanks. No problem. For no problem. You, you went over Julie's bio perfectly. Okay, good, good. So um, now, um, and so what was your name? Is Kelly, your work with Julie, your sure. name is Kelly, what's sure, your last name? No, I'm, I'm, I'm Kelly Helmuth. I am with Golden. I'm the Chief Experience Officer. So, um, like Julie, I work with a lot of our clients and client companies um, on their personal well-being and self-care plans. Okay. Well, great. Well, um, go ahead. You can say something? No, no. And, um, oh. and I'm a huge advocate and devotee of Julie's book. Okay, good. Well, great. Well, I, I had have, have the questions kind of targeted for Julie, but I'm sure that having worked with her, you'll be able to answer it. So um, let, let's start with, you know, the idea of inner wealth. Um, can you talk to us about um, how, well, why don't we do, since you work with Julie, how did you um, come into contact with Julie and, and um, tell, tell us about your um, initial experiences before you work with her. Absolutely, absolutely. So 
I actually came um, into Julie's orbit about six years ago, and um, she was very, very well known in the Metro New York area. She has been featured um, in all sorts of publications, and she was really sort of the the yoga guru and the wellness guru of New York's elite. And so when I came into the company uh, six years ago originally, uh, the company was doing a lot of in-home services, uh, massage, uh, yoga, personal training, all with an eye towards mental health. And the company had been doing that for 20 years. So it was really at the vanguard um, of sort of the wellness movement. Uh, it was started, Golden was started, and Julie's practice was started right after 9-11 when employee number of like very, very high-performing professionals in New York, we're really reevaluating what's important to me. What if what if life can be gone in a moment? I maybe need to reassess things. And they would seek out Julie for help and advice. So um, again, I have been an acolyte and really just helped organize um, the whole business and a lot of PR around around what Julie does. Um, I actually was somewhere else for a few years and boomeranged back uh, to work with her because the poll is just it's that powerful. Yeah, I've been I've been hearing a lot about people boomeranging, boomeranging back. You know that it's uh, you know people are drawn. You know it's what you're drawn to, and and um, certainly after your reevaluation, which was a lot of what a lot of people have been doing um, with the pandemic. Um, so exactly, now, exactly, it's quite parallel. Yes, it is. So you work with the. Or you worked with the ultra successful. You know that is part of the book. It talks about ultra successful people. Um, Indeed. Is what is is there anything that um, differentiates you know the ultra successful um, with regard to wellness as opposed to those who are not? I, I know exactly what Julie would say. I know what Julie would say, and she would say that, believe it or not, problems are quite universal, quite universal. Um, you would think more money, fewer, you think you could use money to solve problems, not truly the case. And one of my mentors once told me, if it's a problem that can be solved by money, it's not a real problem, meaning matters of the heart, matters of health. And um, Julie will tell you that what she saw, she actually started as a social worker working um, in Harlem and working with seniors, working with some under, um, some, let's say, under, underserved communities as well. And she, mm-hmm. just the parallels that she would draw um, between them, she said, you know, the problems aren't all that different. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and, and I think that, you know, when I was reading um, in the book, I, I, you know, I read that, you know, that that was the case. But it's, um, for a lot of people, you know, that aren't in that ultra successful category, it's, um, it, it can be eye-opening, you know, that, you know, kind of like what we're trying for, the goal we're trying to achieve, um, ultra successful, um, you know, is measured in different ways. Um, so Couldn't agree with what, you more. What would you, yeah. So what would you say now that um, in today's environment, We've had, you know, uh, the, the pandemic that has really um, shifted a lot of uh, worker um, priorities. And now, 
one of the things that um, uh, Jesus' book indicates is that uh, riding the waves and staying present in our fast-paced demanding life requires a consistent, compassionate self-care practice. So can you tell us, you know, mm -hmm. especially in today's world, with lots of changes, what, how would you describe a self-care practice? Sure. Well, I think, you know, a lot of people, um, I would say, think that it might be something really grandiose, um, and it's not. It can be very – so the first thing I want to say is it can be very simple. The other thing that people think it is is um, facial masks and the hot bubble bath. And, and it can be, but it's also something very different. So let me start out by saying those two things. That a self-care routine um, can be as simple as setting boundaries. It can be as simple as some deep breathing in the morning, um, a few minutes of yoga. I think the big thing that Golden that we really emphasize is that is habit formation and habit stacking. And I think a lot of people get so intimidated. They go, oh, my God, I, just, I can't sit for meditation for 30 minutes. And it's okay. You can. Did you know you can meditate for just two minutes? And so what always stuns us is that, you know, these sorts of things are not taught in school. In the same way that we're not taught how to do checks and necessarily balance your checkbook, like we're not taught these coping strategies or these self-care strategies. And so that's something that – and it's, it's sort of shocking, surprising, like quite the state of things when we walk into corporate organizations and we see – oh, my gosh, we have these, again, like you said, very successful professionals, but who don't have this, who don't have, like, sort of the self-care routines in place. They don't have the boundaries set up. And, frankly, they don't know the actual skills to, to of what to do. Like, when you hang up, let's say you hang up the phone, whether it's a personal call or a, um, or a business call, and you and after you put that receiver down and you, you, you're done with the call, you're really worked up. But then a moment later, you've got somebody asking you a question or you've got to jump into a presentation. And how do you actually make that transition or make that disconnect? And so those are the kind of things that we work with people on. Um, as far as self-care, it does mean a lot of different things to different people. But um, it's funny. My dad once told me, he said, you know, uh, take care of number one first. And I said, oh, you're from a different generation. That's not how I operate. I'm always about, you know, take care of other people, take care of other people. But the fact of the matter is, um, and you've heard this expression, but you have to put on your own oxygen mask first. Yeah. Now, how, how for, for some people, uh, you know, the idea of self-care is selfish. I mean, you know, in, in the sense mm -hmm. that, you know, but then it, it can be a challenge particularly for some women who, um, whose attention quite often um, is directed toward family support. So how do you help individuals recognize, like, like your dad said, put yourself, you know, put number one first, and, and to do it without guilt? Yeah, and, and it's funny that you that you mentioned that, too, in, in terms of the household dynamic, because I would say um, women in a lot of cases. Um, have a much harder time drawing that boundary, like that whole put number one first. But the fact of the matter is you're really no good to anybody um, if you're in if, – if you're not in a good place. Um, you just you, – your batteries are drained. You have nothing more to give. And so um, some things that I know Julie suggests, too, is, you know, how can you engage your family in in actually being part of the self-care journey, like either as as a family unit or individually? And um, and 
I, I have to I have to be candid that I I don't know how to answer that because I don't have children. Julie is the mother of three, and she would probably give you an earful of advice on that. So I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm afraid I don't have a good answer for you. But that's all right on that one. No, I mean, but I think that's just um, just a very common talent. I mean, no, I mean, if, if you don't have children, I mean, you could have other um, responsibilities, like maybe an elderly parent, or you know, or maybe yeah, you know, we do that a lot. Uh, thing. Yeah. So, so it's um, you know, it's just one of those things where I, you know, I I know that I've known people who. Um, really dig into the um, maybe that I even don't deserve, you know, that little pampering or self care. You know, they, they they view that as yes, um, yes, yeah, as something. Yeah, yeah. but but it's so I think I think a lot, of, they, a lot of the challenge. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, no the challenge. a lot of the challenge is is changing that paradigm that self-care isn't selfish, self-care is necessary. Um, and actually, in response to your question, I, I would say, Julie, actually, she always says there are four things. There are four things the baby needs, and there are four things we need as adults, too. Um, and it's stillness, movement, nourishment, and connection. And so as far as diving, dipping your toe into sort of like that self-care pool, putting aside the question of, of you know, oh, I, I don't believe I'm worthy, because that, that is a whole another thing to unpack, like we just said. Um, but... <laughs> But movement, stillness, nourishment, connection, as you know, those are the chapters or the, which, what's highlighted in the book. Um, every baby needs movement. Um, they need also moments of stillness. That's the recharging, that's sleeping, napping, or just being quiet. Um, nourishment. And nourishment isn't, we're not just talking food and drink here. We're talking nourishment through arts, through music, through what fills your cup. And then finally, connection. A baby that doesn't receive touch that doesn't receive connection, like that, that becomes a troubled adult. So what we, and, and again, what a child needs in its infancy and its development years are so crucial to fully formed adults as well. So we just talk about those four ingredients as being necessary in everybody's self-care routine. And a lot of times if you actually sort of think of it like on a, on a circle or in a grid, it's, if you look at all four of them, I can guarantee you that one of them is usually out of balance. And so that's why, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's what we encourage people to work on, work on the one that's out of balance. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, um, you know, as I was going through the book, you know, the first of all, the movement, the, the four pillars: movement, stillness, uh, touch, or connection, mm -hmm. and, and yep, and, exactly. Um, the the movement seems, you know, in again, in, in kind of in today's world, we are very sedentary, you know, that we really, there's just, you know, people will, you know, sit there and, and play on their phones or watch the TV and um, just not have have that movement. Uh, so when you um, start to work with a client, is your first um, assessment looking at these pillars and seeing what might be out of balance? It is. It is, and usually it's a self-assessment. So it's not the it's not the therapist or social worker like really going in and saying, "Oh, here's my diagnosis. Here's what I think." It's um, actually these great workbooks um, 
that individuals can do, and it really is a self-assessment of sort of where are you on a scale? How satisfied are you? Um, and, and to your point, sitting, there's a, there's a quote out there, it's a little exaggerated, but sitting is the new smoking. And um, we sit an ungodly amount during the day, and particularly if you're an office professional. And movement is so, so essential. Exercise, any kind of exercise, not only to fight the obesity epidemic, but for good mental health. I cannot emphasize this enough. There were like dozens and dozens of peer-reviewed studies um, that were all aggregated recently. And the John Brick Memorial Foundation just came out and said over 20 years of research, there is a strong, highly statistically significant between exercise and mental health. So, um, mm-hmm. sorry, that was, you know, again, a bit of a tangent, but um, point being, we, we do have, we encourage individuals to do a self-assessment. And so that's another thing. It's like, don't put this in the realm of like, oh, only a therapist can do this. We are way more empowered than we, we even realize. Yeah, With two choice right. questions, you, you can do a self-determination. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, that makes sense. You know, it, it really focuses on the individual's perception of what's in balance and what, what's not. Now, with the getting movement, you mentioned, you know, the exercising and then, and its connection, uh, to mental health. Um, a lot of people have, uh, an avoidance of the, the word exercise. <laughs> so, uh-huh. um, uh-huh. can you talk a little bit about, um, uh, movement that wouldn't that would fall outside that realm, or that you know that wouldn't be considered necessarily exercise. Sure, sure. I mean, and and movement can be walking. Movement can be pushing yourself back from the from your desk and doing five minutes of just yoga or just stretches. Um, we, you know, it's funny because when we work with corporations and higher corporate teams, um, we. You could always watch a recording, and there are plenty out there. You can go on YouTube. You can find them for free. But I don't know about you, but at least with me, I say, oh, I, could, I don't have time for that now. I just don't have time, and I'll do it later. And and then secondarily, I get completely overwhelmed by the amount of information on YouTube and which one's right and which one can I trust. So is <laughs> a, a company, is a company, Golden, we actually, we live stream in these world-class professionals who for 15 or for 30 minutes will actually lead your group. And there's something about it being live, even though it's, like, not in person. There's something about it being live, but it's an appointment to show up. It's an appointment to show up for yourself. It's an appointment to show up for each other. And um, so movement doesn't have to be that extreme. And I think some of, like, what a lot of Julie's work and therapy works on, too, is sort of finding out what works for you. So um, in my case, I, I also, I abhor exercise. It's funny, the reason I gravitate towards Julie, I gravitate towards Golden, is because I struggle with precisely the things that they heal. And so for me, it was very, very hard to get any kind of routine done. Um, and so Julie and I, I'm going to tell you my personal experience with her. She, um, she said, you know, look, I have this trainer, and I know you said you wanted to get in shape, so why don't we, you know, why don't we set you up with this trainer? And so I work with this trainer. I, I called him. I did the little phone interview with him, and we were fit. And I'll tell you, it was just so hard to sort of schedule that very first appointment. And I just knew also that even if I was paying for it, I, I'm ashamed to admit I had a $200 gym membership, a $200 a month gym membership at one time, and I never went. And it was right across the street from my office because 
Somebody told me mm-hmm. your workout location should be on a on a line plotted between your home and your office, so that way you'll go. Well, guess what? I never went. So, so um, I said, I know this about myself. Like, I'll pay for it. I just won't show up. And but you mm-hmm. know what would make me show up is accountability to other people. Isn't that interesting? So I would be more accountable mm-hmm. to someone else than I would be to myself. So I actually called up a few of my coworkers and I said, Hey, I know you said you wanted to get more shape or you wanted to work out more. Um, I'm paying for it. Will you come, will you just show up for me and with me? And they said, yes. You've been doing it for 365 days now. I am proud to say it's the thing that all of us say we have stuck with the longest and the most. It, for each one of us, it was finding out that little thing, whether it's time of day, whether it's nature of exercise, the connection to your, your coach or your trainer, or just someone else showing up and being your accountability partner. And that has completely changed the landscape for me and for my colleagues. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I mean, isn't it funny that we'll <laughs> maybe go that extra mile when, when there's someone else involved with it? And um, <laughs> But that's a good thing. You know, I mean, what, like you said, you know you, what would motivate you, you know, to, to do that, and, and that was one of them. So, um, yeah, okay, that's great. Now, stillness. Um, stillness is, is one of the pillars, and, and in um, Julie's book, um, Inner Wealth, uh, there's kind of, there's like three different areas that kind of envelop stillness. Uh, one is rest reflection and meditation. So mm-hmm. can you maybe two um, golden perspectives mm-hmm. of this aspect, this pillar? Sure, absolutely. You know, um, I would say that when we when we even go into corporate groups, this is largely the part that, that is not being tended to. People think they're resting. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, sitting on their phone, scrolling on social media. Oh, I'm resting. I'm relaxing. Well, and there's even subcategories of rest. We do these weekly wellness tips, and there are seven different types of rest, if you would believe it. And I'm not going to go into all of them today. Um, but uh, so rest is so overlooked and so misunderstood and so neglected. Um, so rest being one component. And so sleep sleep is sort of a, one subset of that, but rest um, – and even vacations, I always make the distinction between a trip and a vacation. You know, a trip is where you're like, I'm going to Italy and I'm going to see the Coliseum and I'm going to go here and I'm going to go here and I'm going to go to Milan. And, and it's very active. And sometimes you come home from what, what is a quote-unquote a vacation and you feel like you need a vacation. <laughs> I call that a trip. Uh, on the other hand, a vacation, vacation is really sitting there, disconnecting, not having to do the pile of laundry. It is indulging in reading a book that you haven't gotten to read in a really long time, sitting there watching the water. Um, and so I just can't emphasize rest enough, almost even like scheduling rest. So rest being one. Um, reflection. Now, this one's a really hard one for some people, and it takes many forms. So it could take the form of journaling, for example. It could take the form of, um, and, you know, that works for some. And also journaling can just be one line a day. It doesn't have to have the right page. Some people come to us and say, oh, I'm not a writer. You don't have to be a writer. No one's going to read it. Um, so there's that. And then, um, but also in the reflection uh, category is mindfulness. And mindfulness is just being fully present in the moment. So you hear people talk about when they're washing dishes, for example. Mm-hmm. And just being mindful that they're washing dishes. 
Um, so that is a, that's a form of reflection. And then um, finally, the last one, meditation, is filling your mind. Now, can you hear me okay? Sorry about that. I feel like I have a little bit of an echo. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so it's filling your mind. And meditation is when you're fully awake. So it's not necessarily a rest state, but it's when you're fully, fully awake and you can quiet your thoughts or just observe them and dismiss them. It's hard. It takes practice. A lot of people say, I can't meditate. And I would argue, like, you can. So you just have to find the, it's just like exercise. You've got to find the right thing that works for you. And it is life-changing because a lot of us, when we're awake, that mental chatter is always going on, and we can never get a rest from it. And that's what meditation helps us do. Yeah. You know, the thing about, you know, meditation, and like you say, there are a lot of people who say that they can't meditate. Um, you know, I have found, you know, and when people tell me that, I just, you know, generally ask them, you know, is there any activity that you do where after a while it seems like you lose sense of time, you know, um, mm-hmm. that you're kind of wrapped up in what it is that you're doing, um, that that is a, it's a, uh, a source. It could be a source it is. for meditation. It is a form of meditation. Exactly. Being yeah. in that flow state is absolutely a form of meditation. Yeah, absolutely. And now, um, one of the, the pillars, uh, touch or, or connection, um, can you, I mean, you know, in, in today's world, we, we went through that about two years of um, our connection was very limited in scope, you know, usually to our immediate family or, or even, you know, neighbors. Or, or, uh, but can you talk maybe about um, the need for that and um, how how it was affected during this COVID experience that we had? Absolutely. So there are two, and there's, I'll emphasize that there are two different types of sort of, like you said, with connection, there's also touch. So there's, there's sort of this um, connection that is just, oh, I feel connected to you, I'm friends with you, I feel supported. But then there's also physical touch. And both of those are absolutely necessary ingredients in a healthy adult life. So the pandemic, unfortunately, it removed, first of all, physical touch from a lot of people, particularly seniors living in isolation, um, single individuals, single people. Uh, it was really, really difficult. I think we are probably going to be paying the price of that for years. And I would encourage anyone who has um, suffered from a lack of physical touch to, you know, go go get the acupressure, go get a massage if you can. There are some places that are very affordable. And it, it just, if you had, you know, one of those foot rubs or any, anything. Um, there's even, I even saw on Facebook at one point, there was somebody just going around, like, giving cuddles. And, and I know that sounds like a, a, it's not, it wasn't sexualized. It truly was a service um, that people were paying for. And so, so there's that. And touch being so, so important. And then it's just like that second part, that, that actual disconnection, feeling supported. And I will tell you even, again, speaking from my personal experience, I feel like I had an enormous network before COVID. And we kept thinking, oh, this will be over in a few months. This will be over in a few weeks. Just a few more weeks. Just a few more months. Then I'll get back out there. Then I'll socialize. Then I'll reconnect with 
everybody in my network. And lo and behold, here we are two and a half years later. And those relationships have really gone cold. So some of the work that we do at Golden, too, is like teaching folks how do you reignite some of those? Because guess what? The person on the other end, they're just as anxious as like, well, I don't have a reason to reach out. Why, why, why am I reconnecting after all these years? And so I would argue there's actually a climate right now where people are so hungry for it. Your, your suggestion, your proposal to meet for coffee or have a phone call, I, I almost assure you it will be well received. Um, and so, yeah, it's just people who desperately, desperately need it. And the one other point I was going to add is the facial expression. So a lot of children that grew up or that were young and are young during COVID and, saw, and grew up with masks. It didn't save them. But what we really lost from masks, from mask wearing, um, and obviously, like, we're in the, we're in the health and wellness space, so we are proponents of, like, guarding your personal health. But um, one thing we lost by wearing masks is the ability to read faces and mm-hmm, read yeah. expressions and see those expressions. And so we were at a great disadvantage as a society, and I, I would argue that that's why you see a lot of these um, articles about people erupting on airplanes and mistreating individuals in the service industry. I think we've actually become desensitized and dehumanized to an extent, and we're going to have to work on that. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, it has really the, – the impact is going to be felt for a long time. But it, I think it also um, kind of brought, raised awareness that something that we took for granted um, – it's, it's so important. I mean, it, was, it would be like one of those self-conscious kind of activities that we would do that, you know, didn't raise, uh, wasn't up to the level of awareness that this is kind of what we're doing and the impact that it was having on me. But once you're without it, then it seems that, um, you know, it, you become, um, you that you want it more. You recognize the importance. You know, when you don't have it, you realize, I needed that. I want that, you know. Um, So. Yeah, you don't um, want working until it's not there, until you take it away. Yeah. Well put there. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good Now, the uh, other pillar, the nourishment, and you mentioned it, um, you know, the the nourishment body, the food, the nourishing your mind, art. And nourishing your soul community. Those were um, topics in the in the book uh, regarding nourishment. Now, obviously, the people when they think of nourishment, the first thought is going to be to the body, the physical nourishment. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, that's yeah, you know, a, a first thought with people. But the idea of nourishing your mind. And can you talk about? Um, you know, ways that we can do this? And, and how do we even know if our mind is nourishment depleted? That's a good point. And I don't think a lot of us know. I think until we work with a therapist or until there's some life event that really sets you back on your heels and you start to realize, oh, my gosh, when I was younger, I used to – do this sort of craft or hobby or sport, and I don't even know when I fell out of it, but I enjoy it so much. And so um, you're right that it's not like I can't run a blood test 
and say, oh, you're deficient in these things. Like we could for vitamins, for example, which is part of nourishment, by the way, um, to your point. Right. Um, but the, the, part, the things that spark joy, and that's a whole, like, just an entire discipline of study in, in and of itself. I recently read a good book. It was called Careergasm, and it was about finding the work that lights you up and, and revisiting those things from childhood and revisiting what really, really brings you pleasure. And sadly, I mean, it can't just be um, an ideological exercise. It's something you have to do. Um, like, you don't know whether or not you like gardening until you're out there in the dirt, really. You can't just conceptually mm-hmm. say, I'm, I'm, I'm for it or I'm against it. And I would say, you know, um, a lot of individuals, too, during the pandemic, we uh, relied on alcohol or drugs or smoking or some, we fell back into very, very bad behaviors that we thought in a way gave us, or we, or we misguidedly think give us pleasure. And, and again, mm-hmm. this is not an accusation because I definitely fall into that pool. Like, um, where I suffer from this too. And, and it, what it ends up doing is sort of doubling your senses and disconnecting you even further from the things you love. And so I think, you know, that's another thing that we, that, that, that not only we at Golden look at, but we as a society probably need to really, um, double click on is a lot of the dependencies that came in the bad and a bad tendency yeah. that came out of the pandemic. No. Yeah. I, yeah. I realize I didn't I realize I didn't fully answer your question. So um, to just to read for that, it's, I, I recommend there are a lot of either do a guided session, do a course, or um, pick up some really good reading out there on reawakening the things that spark joy in your life. And then just try them out. Try a lot of them. Exactly. Find out what works for you and, and follow that, definitely. Now, I, I really guess that's the theme of the interview, is find out what works for you. <laughs> it is, it is. And, um, yeah, so now let's talk a little bit about Golden, uh, the company um, you have. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the types of services, products and services offered by Golden? Gladly, gladly. So, yeah, so um, Julie is the, the founder and the chief wellness officer at Golden, which is uh, where where I um, am the chief experience officer. And at Golden, we work with three different populations, um, those populations being individuals and families, number one, professional groups, organizations, and companies, number two, and seniors or older adults and their caregivers, number three. So each one of those is funny. Again, the four pillars from each, all of them, their needs and their ecosystems are a little bit different for the individuals and families. Uh, that's as, as one would think. I don't even need to explain that one. Uh, but through the corporate groups and teams, it could be an entire business unit. It could be the whole company. And this is the first time I think that corporate America realized, oh, my gosh, wait. People have lives outside of work, and um, wow, and they're also really struggling. And so the, the pandemic, for all good and bad things about the pandemic, um, it really did shine a light on um, mental health. We're in the middle of a mental health crisis, but mental health, well-being, and we, we've even gotten away. We don't say work-life balance anymore. I almost feel like that's just that's a pipe dream. Um, it's work-life negotiation or work-life integration are the expressions now. 
Um, so that's the corporate groups that we work with, and it's really fun because these companies essentially that hire us say, we want our people to take a pause in the middle of the day, to do something for themselves, whether it's journaling, a desk yoga, a little stretch together, a meditation, breathing, anything like that. They want to train people, again, on the things that were not taught in high school or business school. And, um, and it's such a gift to their employee group. Um, because people come away from that, just when you think, oh, my God, I don't have half hour to do this or to dedicate, then you walk away, you come away and you go, wow, this is exactly what I didn't know I needed. And I feel more productive and happier and have a little more pep in my step. And that's what happens after those sessions. And then thirdly, these sort of senior groups and their caregivers, it's a very overlooked, overlooked community. It's almost like, I don't know, we put our older people out to pasture. And, and that's not the case. They're vibrant. I mean, I think... 70 is the new 50, 90 is the new 70. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we work with um, older adults and their caregivers, both in their homes and in community settings. So we work with assisted living, um, memory care, independent living, and deliver their entire wellness program. So they can deliver world-class programming, and they don't need to think about it. So, um, and it's just, it's also a personal passion of Julie's and mine. You know, her father-in-law passed away of Parkinson's. My dad died of Parkinson's and, um, and dementia. And we've just seen these ends and, and they're somewhat dehumanizing. They don't have a lot of dignity. Mm-hmm. And, but on the flip side, to the extent that you can keep music in, you know, keep music alive, keep movement alive, it actually increases our brain plasticity regardless of how young or old we are. And so that's something that we try to work on. Yeah, yeah. As far as the seniors, I've had um, a lot of interaction um, with assisted living from um, close friends. And, and, um, you know, that to me, when I look at, um, when I've looked at the, like the programs that they've had in their, their centers, you know, to, you know, tap into that movement aspect, and a lot of them are uh, restricted. The movements are restricted. You know, maybe they're wheelchair bound yeah. or uh, exactly. too frail for for it. But but nonetheless, you know, you can you can move your hands, <laughs> you can tap your feet, you know, on the wheelchair. Um, but um, and and then then yeah, music. Music is. I I have seen times where many um uh. An, person with um, dementia or Alzheimer's, you know, where they some may not even remember their name, but, you know, start humming a tune, and that will sing the whole song for you without, you know, batting an eye. You are completely right. You're completely right. And so, yeah, and that's, those are a lot of the things that we work on. Um, memory is interesting. The studies, studies that have been done related to music and related to movement actually um, can help mitigate and also uh, when it mitigate, so they can lessen the symptoms, but then they can also sort of like prolong the good period um, in an individual's mm-hmm. life, living with Alzheimer's or dementia or Parkinson's. And you're correct, like a lot of what we have to do are modified recommendations. So a chair yoga or a chair tai chi, you know, that's, and it's, it's very common and you have to be very conscientious of speaking slowly, speaking softly. Um, the last thing you want to do is agitate somebody who already has um, some cognitive issues going on, and we're very, very sensitive to all of those things. Yeah, yeah. 
Now, when you work with professional groups um, and, and companies, um, do do you go in? Do you provide an assessment um, of, of of their like their mission, their goals, their values, and and how it's playing out? I mean, how how do you um, I guess personalize your approach? Was working with you know, such a wide variety of, of companies. Sure, sure. So a lot of like the, the companies themselves, they're the ones that choose their programming, and they choose it based on their knowledge, their own knowledge of the cult, the culture, their own people, the demographics. And um, but we do, and, and we are, we do emphasize that self analysis. So that oftentimes we start out with a build your own self care plan masterclass which exposes people to those four pillars that you and I talked about and really helps them, like, highlight what they want to work on so that when the company is offering all of these different things, that, they, that the individual can pick and choose sort of what's right for them. So that's one approach. Um, the other approach is we do have a digital assessment tool that really helps companies sort of benchmark what's their starting point and then where, where are they in a quarter, where are they even compared to their peers or how are the part departments compare. And what we have found, the fact of the matter of all of it, is that no matter what you do, even if you do a little breathing exercise, but that's not really the area you need to work on, what we have found is that the outcomes are so positive and so significant that it's sort of like this rising tide that lifts all boats. Hmm. Okay. Even well, even without even, even even without a prescriptive approach, and now we do take a prescriptive mm -hmm. approach, but even without it, we have seen really significant outcomes. Wow, great, great. Uh, so now, and, and one of the um, chapters in Inner Wealth was also um, regarding plugging in and unplugging. You know, um, you mentioned you know, a couple of times during the show about uh, you know people thinking maybe they're scrolling through the phone is, is relaxing, but they're, you know, um, so can you talk, I mean, it seems to me that you know, we're in a, a world that is just constantly plugged in, that that, that um, unplugging is, can be difficult for some folks. So tell us, talk to us about the value of unplugging. Oh my gosh, unplug, it's crazy because after unplugging, what I have seen is people completely change careers, change their jobs, um, decide they need to move somewhere else. Uh, it's radical, but I also think some of the radical realizations are, are scary. So it's easier to stay, to be complacent or to just sort of stay in that loop and, and just numb, like there's a difference between sort of dissociating and numbing out versus truly, truly unplugging. And I'll give you, again, sort of a personal example. So every year, um, my husband and I go to Cape Cod, and working for a wellness company, they're always very, very insistent. You are off. Do not check your email. Do not, and I'll, again, not every corporate culture is like this, but please, for mm -hmm. dear listeners, look for, look for one that is. You want to work for one that does encourage you to do this. Because, and that's the greatest thing about working with Golden is, is, they said, don't, don't bring your computer. This is the first year in a 20-year career um, that I did not bring my computer on vacation, and it was heavenly, and I was fully supported by my company. I actually disconnected my two email accounts 
on, from my phone because I knew I'd be tempted to look. So there's also like mm-hmm. sort of this sort of like person, you know, personal. I had right. to like make set up personal. I had to set up barriers to make it hard. And um, truly unplugging. It's I, I will tell you like for me at least the life cycle was. Uh, oh my god! Oh my god! Like anxiety. I. I don't know what's happening, and I, I need to know what's happening. And, and I'm so, what if I need it, or what if I'm out of a loop? And after the first, I'd say, like, three days of that, then all of a sudden this peaceful calm really, really comes over you. And it's and I'm almost like, I don't want to go back to having, like, my phone, to having my phone own me. <laughs> and uh, so when it comes to unplugging, what I, the best thing I can encourage is truly, you know, look for employers that support a truly unplugged vacation, Set up personal barriers to to actually accessing technology and plugging in and social media. Uh, if that's if you know if you don't have the self control like I don't <laughs> to, to to not check it. And then finally, like just let yourself go through that anxiety initially because there is peace on the other side and it's very powerful. And so really Great. needed reset. I encourage people to do it at least once a year. Yeah, and you know, it, 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 kudos to you for knowing you know, your behavior, what you had to do to set that up, you know, um, the idea of disconnecting even emails. Um, gosh, I haven't done that, <laughs> I remember, ever doing that. So, um, okay. Okay, Kelly, so let's um, talk about Golden. You know, I mean, do you have any um, maybe final words that you could pass on to the listeners on who um, are, you know, who would be a good candidate for Golden Services? Sure, sure. I would say anyone who is really feeling um, an imbalance in their life right now, they know it, it's gnawing at the back of your mind, and whether you're a corporate leader and you're feeling that way about your team or your corporate culture, you're an individual or you're a caregiver and feeling this way about your parents and knowing that there's more, and that you, you know, there's just, there is a better quality of life and you want to take advantage of it, so I would say that's when you call Golden. Um, there's a question that we ask and that I encourage you to ask not only yourself, but also the people around you because it shows a real level of caring and depth. And the question is this, how are you really? No, no, how are you really? When you think on that for a minute, when you ask yourself that question, when you ask your neighbor, when you ask your friend, that's when the real truth, you're going to really feel that the layers, and the real truth is going to come out. And we all, even whether, and I always say, in well times and in not well times. You know, it's funny, we always sort of like, um, shrinks or psychotherapists when we're in a state of depression or anxiety, but why don't we go to them when we're in a state of bliss and joy and happiness so that we understand that side of ourselves too? And so, Truly, you don't even have to wait for a time. Just make the call now and um, and come visit heyitsgolden.com. Great. Well, thank you very much for your time, Kelly. Um, I really appreciate you talking to us and, and talking about uh, Julie's uh, book, Inner Wealth. And um, I'll keep in touch. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks a lot. Bye, Robert. Bye now. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Kelly Helmut. She is the Chief Experience Officer at Golden. And you can find out more by visiting their website, like she mentioned, 
which is hey, it's golden.com, H-E-Y-I-T-S, golden.com. So, everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.